eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown! Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we have officially made it through the preseason. It feels like almost every time we hop on here, we're either talking about training camp or preseason games finally starting. But the next time we have an actual football game to talk about, Perry, will be one that actually matters in the win-loss column when the Packers travel to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings week one. So that's exciting. It's about time. <laughs> Off-season's so long. It's just over preseason. You just don't care anymore. I was thinking about it last night, actually, that I'm so glad they cut preseason down to three games. There's no need for a fourth preseason game, and there never was. Yeah. I mean, I know there's there's discussion, too, that like down the line there would end up being like 18 games and two preseason games. And I would feel bad for the players putting their bodies through that. You know, I would want them to have like a second bye week, but... Yeah, as far as the product on the fields for the preseason, I think that I would enjoy more like actual football. <laughs> that counts. Yeah. yeah, three just feels like plenty mm-hmm. to me, um, which I guess is the perfect segue for us to go into our show, which is that we did get to see, I think, a decent amount of second and, and third string guys, of course, in the three Packers preseason games. None of the starters really played unless you count, you know, a Romeo Dobbs or a Quay Walker, um, but they're rookies. So it made more sense. But the Packers really, I think, chose to showcase and give the opportunities to the guys who needed to prove themselves versus like giving the starters like somewhat meaningless snaps that they, they don't really need, which not every team did, um, but the Packers chose to do, which gave us a lot to see when it came to who's going to be the third running back or who's going to be that edge that, that shows up this season, which are all questions that we've had um, all off season. 
Yeah. And I mean, I, I understand, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of said it a couple weeks ago in his presser that like, whatever the Packers decide to do will not be the right decision to a lot of fans. Like you're either playing them and it's meaningless and someone gets hurt like Jordy Nelson with the ACL Tyron Smith, obviously a very good example of that for the Cowboys, or if they come out maybe a little bit rusty or not on the same page, like they did last, last year against the saints, everybody wants to blame them for not playing in the preseason. So I like the way that LaFleur handled it. I think he always does a really good job and, I think the players, yes, they'll say that they want to be out there, but I'm sure they enjoyed the rest for their bodies and getting to watch the young guys get after it. I think a conservative approach to your starters, even if you happen to lose week one, like that didn't really matter when it came to week 17 last season for the Packers, right? They were still 13 and four. That first week loss was a forgotten blip on the screen of the season. And they managed to not have any major injuries in the, like before the season even started. And I think that's just more important. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously we know Jordan Love is going to be the backup for Aaron Rodgers. That pretty much solidified. Did you have like, I mean, do you want to talk about Jordan Love a little bit, just as far as like the kind of preseason he had? Because I, I swear there's 50, 50 takes on just about everyone, but Jordan Love is, unfortunately just that kind of polarizing figure for the Packers franchise at this point, regardless of how well he played in the preseason. I just don't get the polarizing figure thing. I get why fans, some fans feel that way, but um, no, I think, look, Jordan Love was always a developmental prospect. Like right. we knew that when he was drafted in the first, even in the first round, um, he got drafted into what I view as the best case scenario for him as a player, which was take the years and develop. And I think we've seen that development kind of come to fruition this off season. Like he has just been a completely different player this preseason. And that's not to say that he's a polished NFL ready starter, ready to take over Aaron Rodgers's job. Um, it just means that he has made like leaps and bounds in terms of like his development in controlling the offense in his decisiveness and his footwork and his just like being able to push the ball down the field, not taking as many check downs as he did last off season, just everything I think has leveled up. Um, and again, like I don't see him, he's not like vying for Aaron Rodgers in right. one spot and he never was going to be. But if Aaron Rodgers, if it, if it was the reverse of last season and Aaron Rodgers misses a game, I think Jordan Love can win the Packers a game. And I feel more strongly about that than I did last season. Like, I think if the, there was a repeat of even what happened, giving him three weeks, three days, I mean, notice before a game, I think Jordan Love is better prepared to walk into a real NFL game this season and win the Packers a game. And I think that says a lot for him. What does it mean for his future? Is he going to stay a Packer? I don't know. I don't really care um, because we're focused on this season and all he needs to be is QB2, right? And I think he is a better, much, 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 much better QB2 that could win the Packers some games if he needed to start. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, we talked about the circumstances that he found himself in getting drafted during the COVID season and not having a preseason and then being injured for a lot of last season. So this is really the first time that we've seen like cumulative progression from him in his third year. And, you know, maybe Tom Clemens is part of this coming back to work with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's made an impact, obviously getting a third year under his belt to be with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, but 
just it's been fun to to watch his progression and see the decisiveness and you can see the growth there and like you said regardless of where he ends up whether it is the Packers or you know something happens I do agree with you 100% that if he was trotted out there even if you know we get to see him maybe in week 17 or I guess week 18 that would be a lot of fun to see just what he looks like getting to play with the ones because I think that's another caveat to the preseason is so much of the supporting cast around him is a third string O-line and third string wide receivers and running backs who maybe won't make that 53 man roster. So really hard to put him under a microscope, but yeah, I think that's probably, I, would, I was thinking a very, very similar thing because there is such a grain of salt to his performance when he's not playing with the ones, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe, you know, Alan Lazard makes a contested catch that, a Tyler Davis or an Amari Rogers or an Ishmael Hyman Reno can't make. And I think Jordan Love being behind a Bakhtiari and an El- Elton Jenkins will be a much, I mean, he was like, there was one drive in the Chiefs game. I think he was backed up pretty badly because special teams was horrific again. <laughs> and the he was scrambling for his life because the offensive line just kept getting collapsed yeah. by the Chiefs defense. And like, those are the situations and those like high pressure, you're backed up in your own 10. You want to see with, you know, can this guy drive down the field? And he did have 90 yard and I think 83 yard drives that ended up in scores um, for the Packers. But like, again, you're not having your best five out there. So how do you know how Jordan Love would really um, respond in, in a real NFL game? Again, if the starting offensive line was out there. So yeah, it's all it's all like I think just an interesting case study for like the Packers front office to say like we have all these bits and pieces of him and now we have to decide how we feel about how he's performed. Yeah, and I mean I think unfortunately for him the asterisk that hangs over him entirely is just what will happen with Aaron Rodgers for this season, you know, when 2023, 2024 beyond, you know, it's I think a lot of this is like on a break glass if needed kind of basis where if Aaron Rodgers wants to be the guy, he's the guy. Um, But yeah, so Packers obviously keeping two quarterbacks on the roster. Do you, but where do you want to go next? Wide receivers, running backs, offensive line. There is a ton to talk about as far as guys that maybe improved their stock and guys that maybe did not help their cases against Kansas city. Um, I feel really strongly that Tyler Goodson needs to be on this 53 Okay. I know I thought Patrick Taylor had a really nice day. I'd be hard pressed to like find if they keep four. And even if they do, then, you know, Kylan Hill is going to come off pup. But I just think there were, there were a couple of players that really stood out to me in the preseason as like just above the rest. Um, and some of them won't be that much of a surprise. Like Chris Barnes obviously looked like the best guy when it came mm-hmm. to like the second half of the preseason games when, no one else, you know, on that defense is, is probably like going to start ever. Like he's actually played real NFL snaps and you can tell, right. And you know that Chris Barnes, even if he's inside linebacker three is going to make this team. And I felt that way a little bit with Tyler Goodson in this offense. Um, I just think he was like so above and beyond the consistent, consistent when it came to like having the ball in space, getting through the offensive line, the spin move on the touchdown on Thursday night. Like just, he just looked well above the rest of the offense. Um, We can obviously talk about the wide receivers in a separate category, but 
Yeah, there's just a couple of names that I feel like you could just tell. I mean, even seeing Quay Walker out there, you obviously know Quay Walker's making the team. That's a moot point, but just looked better than everyone around him, um, which is what you wanted from your first round pick. So I feel that way about Tyler Goodson. My dad and I debate it. He thinks it's going to be Patrick Taylor, but I just think Goodson looked great. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a really interesting argument here just as far as like running backs, wide receivers and tight ends in general, all the skill positions, like how you divvy those numbers, because going into training camp in general, I would have said six wide receivers. That's it. Now I know we're going to have a conversation about it. Now I feel like it has to be seven wide receivers. I don't know how you cut it down to six tight ends. I would have thought at one point, Hey, maybe they keep five then they cut Dominique Daphne. And I'm like, Hey, maybe it wouldn't be that bad if they just had three because Josiah DeGuara can also be like a hybrid fullback. And I know there was talk about maybe two running backs and then Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor arguably have their best games against Kansas city. And I don't know. It's just, it's going to be really interesting to see how those numbers shake out. I agree that I think the Packers have a hard time keeping Tyler Goodson off the 53, but I think if you're looking at Patrick Taylor, maybe probably gets the nod in pass pro. It depend, I think it just depends what kind of running back they want yeah. as their third guy. And if you break it down, you know, by special team snaps, who they graded higher as far as like on the coverage unit. So if Tyler Goodson maybe got some looks as a returner. I think that'd be different. And I know he did a couple of times. We didn't really see that from Taylor at all this preseason, but I think that'll, that'll kind of be the tiebreaker. Yeah. I mean, special teams looked atrocious. So like, I don't know how you judge guys. Like if you are a fringe player and like your shot of making this roster is on special teams, like not to lump them all together, but you didn't do a great job. (laughs) Um, I think Amari Rogers looks better as a returner. That's, that's Mm -hmm. really like my one takeaway is there's like some positive yardage, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting case because you do want to use special teams as a way to determine like these fringe roster guys, whether they're going to be contributors, but you want positive contributions. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, you bring up a good point. The wide receivers, obviously everyone's like, do they keep eight? Like they're not keeping eight. Like they're just, there's not enough space on a roster. And I think that's unfortunate. Um I don't know who you keep because, you know, there's who 12 loves, Juan Winfrey. Right. There's your draft pick, Samori Toure, who also looked great with love um, and had probably, I think, his best game against the Chiefs. And the Packers don't really part ways with draft picks as readily. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions there. But I think my biggest takeaway from preseason is really I feel so much better about this group than mm-hmm. I did going into camp. Like, I went into camp being like, I have no idea what these rookies are going to look like. I have no idea if Sammy Watkins is going to be Sammy Watkins, if he's going to be a shell of himself. Like, we had no idea. We just really know, like, Lazard and Cobb, like, woohoo. Um, and now, you know, there's this emergence of Romeo Dobbs. You feel a little bit more confident in Amari Rogers, at least just seeing the way they, like, moved him around a little bit in the offense. Um 12 thinks Lazard is the one like there's just a little bit more like solidification when you look across this this roster of like wide receivers and now all of a sudden we're talking about like how could they cut eight of them so that's like really my biggest takeaway who it is and who stays who gets tucked onto the practice squad I'm not entirely sure but 
now there's like depth here that you feel confident about. Yeah, I put this on Twitter and we talked about this a little bit yesterday on Pack a Day, but just I thought it was really interesting that going into the season, we talked about obviously the loss of Devontae is significant. It will be, you can't replace an all pro wide receiver that easily. But, you know, you've got Lazard, Cobb, and Watkins as the three vets and they're locks. I don't think anything's happening with any of them. Nobody's trade bait. But if you take them away, there's a good chance that all three of them are not on the roster in 2023. So I know we're not trying to look too far ahead, but it says a lot about the fact that, you know, we didn't get to see Watson in the preseason, but Rogers, Winfrey, Dobbs, Toure, like that could be four of your wide receivers that are, you know, basically the the supporting cast going into next season. So I thought that was really interesting. It, it kind of gives you a good glimpse. We don't know how much they'll play in the regular season because it's hard to tell when all of your starters are sitting in the preseason, but definitely a lot. Like you can tell why the Packers front office was so high on all those guys. And when Rodgers praised them, like, you know, it wasn't just to, to stoke egos. He really could see that there was a lot of potential there. So I think they keep seven. Really curious to see, you know, who it ends up being. I, do, do you just ask 12, like, hey, pick one? Or does the front office just... I mean, do you want another Kumaro? I, again, like I was debating with my dad today because he thinks Toure is going to be the one that doesn't make the 53 and it's going to be Winfrey because of 12. And I thought, yeah, well, maybe they don't make the same mistake as as Kumro. But he was like, well, if they don't get Toure, then someone else is going to pick him up. And I know we have this conversation every offseason, and I just think it's a lot more rare for that to happen. Like, we are so plugged in. Yeah. But other teams are not looking at a Packers seventh-round pick that doesn't make the team. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. the Kumro situation was like really, really unique. So I can see either Winfrey or Toure getting stashed on a practice squad and getting called up as needed. Um, I just, yeah, I think it's going to be one or the other, but I can't wait to see Watson out there. You mentioned, I just can't wait. Um, and it'll be fun to see Dobbs with, with Rogers finally in a game. Yeah. One thing that I've, I've been thinking about, and I still think that there is a third like traditional running back on the roster, Goodson, Taylor, whoever it is, but the way that Matt LaFleur has been using Amari Rogers, there was like a small yeah. part of me, not necessarily thinking that they'd keep eight wide receivers, but just do they feel comfortable enough with like a, the, the Amari Rogers skill set that they're okay sacrificing a, a traditional running back, having two on the roster, knowing that that's how you get Amari on the field more. Like you put him in some packages with Cobb, you put him on the boundary. We saw that quite a bit against the Chiefs where he was actually taking boundary snaps as a wide receiver. So I think the versatility that we saw from Rodgers this preseason was maybe one of the the highlights as we were all wondering how he would fit into this offense. And Matt LaFleur is going to get really creative with him and the two running backs. Yeah. Um, I think that just given what Matt LaFleur says about how he likes his running back rotation, I still keep three. But it is an interesting kind of nod towards the way they've been trying to use Amari. Um, and, and LaFleur has even said, cause he's been asked about it. Like, we're just trying to get as many of our playmakers as possible on the field. And, um, whether that's like lining one of their wide receivers up in the backfield, that's what, what they're going to do. Um, curious your thoughts around like the Tyler Davis situation, because I think he's another guy that I've just seen debated back and forth all the time. Cause he didn't have like the best camp, but the Packers seem to still have a lot of confidence in him and he had a better game against the chiefs, but the tight end room to me is like 
the biggest concern on offense, which I think is really funny because nobody talked about that really in the offseason. But, like, Mercedes Lewis isn't really catching passes. Um, we don't really know when Tunyon's going to come back. DeGuara is – we don't know what kind of development. And then, like, everyone was super high on Tyler Davis and he didn't really live up to the the hype. Yeah, I mean – I think as far as like depth was concerned, we felt before the preseason pretty comfortable because you had Dominique Daphne, obviously, of course, injured, settled, waived at this point, not on the roster. But the fact that they kept bringing in guys like Alizé Mack or Nate Becker, or Sal Canella, it was like, okay, it feels like they're reaching and they're doing their due diligence because they're not as comfortable with the guys that they have in the room that maybe we thought they were initially. Um, I think Tunyon mate like I think he'll be ready to start week one I think that's exciting for Packer fans like maybe they're operating under the impression that you've got your big three in Mercedes Tunyon and DeGuara and you know Davis latches on as a developmental guy who maybe saw some snaps because I think Matt LaFleur really likes him I think you can tell when you hear Matt LaFleur talk about him that he is higher on him than the production that they've seen from him in the preseason and I'm sure Tyler Davis is his own worst critic at this point too because he understands that like this was his opportunity and he's not making the most of it, but yeah, I mean, I went into training camp thinking that there was a very realistic shot that they keep five tight ends. And now I think, I think it's a Davis, but I'm not like comfortable. Like I would, I would keep Sal Canella as the fourth because I thought he had fun, a fun preseason. Is there anyone that you feel like you're really low on? Like you're like, there's just no way this person can make the roster. Like they played in the preseason, they've been in camp and you're just like, I just don't see it happening besides the more obvious guys, like someone who's like somewhere on the bubble. I have someone in mind, but yeah, I, to me, and it's hard to say, it's not necessarily performance-based. It's the room. It's Rashid Walker. And that was somebody that I know the Packers are really high on when they drafted him. And we thought that he could be like the steal of day three. And, you know, he has played tackle for them and he's looked decent doing it, but you've got David Bakhtiari already. You've got John Runyon, you've got Myers, you've got Hanson and Newman, who I think both of them are making the roster. Hanson's his own kind of enigma there at that point. Zach Tom, Sean Ryan being a higher third round draft pick, you know, they're not going to part with him. And then Yash Nyman, unless something happens there, it's already nine guys. And the Packers traditionally don't keep 10 offensive linemen. So if they did, maybe it's a guy like Caleb Jones, who I think that arguably had a better preseason and training camp. So to me, it's weird to talk about the Packers late round picks, but they had 11 this year, right? They had so many, they had an abundance. So I think if we see anybody cut that maybe we had initial expectations for, it would be some of those seventh, six round guys that just, hey, it's, it's crowded this year. So that's how I feel about Jake Hansen. And like, I don't understand the discrepancy between what I'm watching and what the coaches are saying, because like, I just don't think either he or Royce Newman are playing well. And like, again, he had another, and the whole offensive line had like an illegal formation, but Hansen had another really bad penalty in the red zone that pushed the Packers back. And they ended up not scoring a touchdown on that drive. And to me, I just like, when you're fighting for a spot, you can't do that shit. Like you just can't do that. And like, I think the Packers interior is more stacked than the tackle positions. So like when you got other guys that are, can step into that job, like everyone's screaming for Zach Tom, who can pretty much play anywhere on the line 
I just don't see it in Jake Hansen. I don't get it. I would love to sit down with the offensive line coach and be like, please explain. Yeah, he, I feel the same way. And I think if you're arguing about who the best five offensive linemen are, which is what the Packers, like their company line has been for the last two, three years about how they, we've seen like a ton of different alignments. It doesn't matter where you play them. I think your best five are David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, who had a hell of a game against the Chiefs, looked really good. John Runyon Jr. and Zach Tom. Yeah. I don't care who plays which guard spot. If you want Jenkins even to come in at right guard and you want Zach Tom to get a spot at right tackle. I think pro football focus had it where he had zero pressures. Like he allowed zero pressures the entire preseason on uh, roughly a million. Snaps. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes more sense than a million, but yeah, a ton of pass blocking snaps. And it's just, yeah. I don't know if that's the Packers trying to figure out depth at that point like maybe they maybe they secretly know who their starting five are and they're seeing if Newman and Hansen are you know worth the squeeze to keep them on the roster when they've got younger guys like Sean Ryan and Rasheed Walker but I don't know I just I I think Zach Tom the Packers are doing a disservice to Aaron Rodgers and their offensive line if Zach Tom isn't out there week one you hear that Packers yeah yeah I agree <laughs> don't make I me agree. write an, an angry email Packers I agree I I just Again, like I'm not a coach. I don't work in the NFL and I certainly am not an offensive line scout, but there's just something missing from what my brain is comprehending on my screen versus what we're hearing out of camp. Um, And I I agree with you. I think your best five includes Tom and certainly does not include Newman or Hanson. Yeah. And Newman, I would give the benefit of the doubt to even at this point, like I think you know, given his experience, he he played pretty well last season. So maybe if, if Bach wasn't ready, but then I think, you know, you're exploring with maybe putting Yash Nyman on left tackle. And I think Jenkins is going to be ready to go. We're hoping David Bakhtiari and what is it now? Like 16 days is able to play, but I think the first couple weeks, you know, we might maybe help maybe mid game against the Vikings. We'll see different arrangements because the Packers are really trying to figure out, you know, their best five until David Bakhtiari and or Alan Jenkins are able to come back. But I think that has to include Tom. And I would give the nod to Newman over Hanson at this point. Yep. I completely agree. Um, can we talk about, I tweeted this today and I wanted to talk about it with you because, you know, tweets are just short and you don't get to like fully flesh out your thoughts. But like, can we talk about the total just like regeneration of the Packers inside linebackers? Yes. I just like, <laughs> I would love to. That was all. So I pretty much spent, I rewatched the game this morning and I pretty much spent the whole time watching Quay while he was out there. Um, Cause that's what you do when your first, first round pick plays any kind of significant snaps in a preseason game. And I'm so impressed. Like he, yeah. again, like I, there were a couple of guys in, during, in the chiefs game that just looked heads and tails above the rest of that group that was playing and he was like easily one of them I mean he's a massive dude who flies around the ball like crazy and had five tackles in like what he played like less than a quarter I'm super excited about him and I was thinking about again how Chris Barnes looked great that Isaiah McDuffie had a great game too and I'm like how did we go from inside linebacker being the most neglected Packers position group to being maybe one of the strongest? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at just, you know, building a 53 man roster and what the inside line, like 
every spot is like, okay, I think there's a couple guys you can tweak inside linebacker. You're like, no, these four need to be on the roster. And you could maybe have a caveat for like Ty Summers as like a special teams player or like a Ray Wilborn or somebody that comes in. But those four, obviously we knew Campbell and Walker were going to, we're going to have their spots, but Isaiah McDuffie and Chris Barnes just showed out in the preseason. And it's almost like they were saying, Hey, don't forget about us. Like I know we're not first round draft picks and Quay obviously deserves the field time, but it, and maybe it's the Joe Barry effect, you know, like maybe we know that inside linebacker is his bread and butter. Maybe that has something to do with it. And I was watching, you know, when you see the way that Quay moves in the middle of the defense, who does he remind you of? And to me, it's Devondre Campbell. So thinking about having both of them in the middle of the defense at the same time, with the way that they both are able to move laterally, with the way that they can both close in space very quickly and make like sure open field tackles. It's a lot to like going into the first couple weeks of the season and probably not a better test for the middle of a defense than a guy like Delvin Cook. Like I can't wait for week one to see what these two look like together. That's such a good point. Oh my God. Oh, I'm so ready for real football. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, to me, the preseason was for the offense. Like yeah. the defense is just as a whole, I think, the starters are set, you know, like there's depth there and you can debate that depth rotation, but there was no one where I was like, he's fighting for a starter spot. Like it it felt set from the beginning. Um, I think I was like pretty underwhelmed by the DB room as a whole. I mean, there were some guys like Sean Davis made some nice plays and Micah Abernathy came in in that Saints game and did some nice things, but there's no one, in the entirety where I'm like, ah, yes, like they're going to need to see the field this season. I don't know if you feel similarly, but there's, they could cut some so-and-so and and keep so-and-so. And and I'd be like, okay. So I I do want to talk to you about that because we talked about this a little bit on pack a day. And that was my takeaway from the preseason about the defensive side of the ball was that there wasn't a member of the secondary outside of your starting five that like jumped off the page and said, give me a job. And to me, to me, that's a little bit concerning though, just because we know, like, I mean, knock on wood, we hope Jair is healthy. We hope Stokes and Rasul stay healthy. Savage is dealing with an injury right now and we think he'll be ready to start week one, but if he's not, what does that look like? Do you feel confident if you have to trot out a Sean Davis and maybe the Packers do, and maybe they have reason to feel that way, but knowing that the DB room, that depth was wide open and there wasn't a single guy that jumped up and took a job and said, I'm CB four or I'm safety three was like, really, you know, and like with Jerry gray and with Joe, Joe Barry, these are guys that, you know, maybe I thought like Rico Gafford would have himself a game or Keyshawn Nixon being the Basaccia guys. Like I thought they had the inside track to a roster spot. And honestly, I thought probably the corner that performed the best was Shamar John Charles. I felt the same way. I was going to say the same exact thing. I think that there was one guy, and it makes sense. He's been in the system the longest. Like that, I think maybe that's just what it is, is comfortability. And that nickel spot also is, feels like it's going to be a little bit of a rotation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm loving, loving the idea of Rasul getting in there and obviously putting Jaw there for certain types of, of looks. But if there was one, but I never was in doubt of Shamar John Charles's spot on this roster. Right. I always kind of had him as CB4. Right. So like, sure. I'm glad that he like met those expectations, if you will. For me, it was like more of the safeties and like who we, there needs to be somebody. And if I, I would give the nod, I 
guess to Sean Davis, but not by much. And I think it really, really, really sucks that Vernon Scott got hurt. I do too. It was his job to lose. I felt like. Right. And I mean, I think this also goes back to maybe just there's too much depth um, or the Packers had too many pieces in the draft this year, but like Tariq Carpenter, yes, you know, he had the blunder. There was a communication error in the secondary, which again is something that I think, you know, the Packers need to discuss and figure out because if you're vying for one of those backup spots and you can't communicate and manage the back end of the defense, like that's a major red flag, but Tariq Carpenter is like a special teams ace. Like I have not seen somebody come in and tackle that soundly as a DB. Like I thought he looked great. I think he's got a a really long shot to make the 53 just solely based on the fact that this was his first game and he's been injured. I think he's a great practice squad candidate, but again, it's just how many guys do they keep? Where do they prioritize? Because normally they, they, they're around four safeties and maybe at this point it's Sean Davis and Micah Abernathy, but I just, the Packers have been very fortunate to have very healthy safeties in Savage and Amos and we're not jinxing it on the show, but if somebody gets called in in spot duty, we saw how much Henry Black played last year just being safety three. Yeah. Whoever that is, well, is I mean, there a comfort maybe, level? Like, we heard in practice, right, that Rasul was playing safety. So yeah. like, maybe they feel the same way. Like it's very possible coaches are like, all right, no one is showing up here, and we have to now like think of a contingency plan, especially with Savage Hurt. Drop so from our to nickel. Rasul right, goes like to let's just get our best five guys on the field, wherever that may be. And I think that also says a lot about how much trust they have in Rasul, yeah. um, which I'm not surprised at because I think he's earned that. Um, but again, then it's Shamar, and it's just like everyone else is kind of just lost an opportunity. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Packers end up bringing someone in. Mid-season. Yeah. Like that's always on the table. There's plenty of guys who are still free agents. We went through some of them, right. As late potential additions. So maybe they get to their 53 and they decide, you know, we need to bring someone new in. I don't know. Um, but I was underwhelmed is probably the right word for it. It's really interesting that you mentioned bringing somebody into play safety because I hadn't considered that as much, which is funny because like you said, we did a whole show about it, but the the one spot I'm thinking is edge because obviously Preston and Rashawn are set. I think that JJ and Igbari had a great preseason. You know, he was one of those guys that like didn't really show up in camp. And then all of a sudden the, the edge spot number three, at least is basically his Jonathan Garvin didn't play a ton. So depending on how they feel about him, Tipa being, you know, a healthy scratch or at least inactive, we don't know if there's like a little bit of a bug going on with him for injuries, but the guys that I had expected to come in and lock up those jobs did not do that. Right. So as far as outside linebacker support, there was a part of me that was wondering if that's where we see a vet added because they're just not sure like a Whitney, a Whitney merciless kind of signing where they're not going to come in and play a ton of snaps for you, but as a rotational piece, they're still better than who you would trust in like a Kobe Jones at this point, Kobe Jones would be great to develop on your practice squad, but do you want him to be your edge for, I think, is is the question. And that's why I'm wondering if they go vet at edge. JPP is still available. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, yeah. again, I know he's 34 and I know he's coming off an injury, but, like, if you're looking for that Whitney Merciless type, like, yep. sign me up. Sign me up. Isn't D Ford available now, too? I know he just settled an injury, but... Those kind of guys, the guys that are like, hey, man, I thought I should be on a roster and I'm not on one, so let me come in yeah, and make some noise. Yeah, a free agent. You are correct. 
Yeah, I mean, but it just – I think it says a lot, and just talking about the defense as a whole, the just in the discrepancy between the starters and the depth, right? Like, there's a huge, huge drop-off. And yeah. while we both have utmost confidence in this starting Packers defense to be top 10 in the league, like, hands down, one injury could throw them off because the depth isn't there to support. Um, and that's scary. And I'm sure for a front office that is focused on roster building all year round, like they already see that and have that in mind. Yeah. I mean, I think the last thing I want to talk about with the defense is just the defensive line and kind of the same way you talked about inside linebacker. Um, just the, the 180 that this group did in a short amount of time where, you know, it felt like the the song of last season was like, get Kenny Clark some help. Like Kenny needs help. And yes, Dean Lowry had his best season as a pro, but it, it wasn't enough. Yeah. And then they go out and they get Jaron Reed, who thankfully it sounds like he dodged his injury. The The wrist injury wasn't anything that he um, will be dealing with long-term. TJ Slayton has looked great going into his second year. They obviously drafted Devontae Wyatt. And then you've got an abundance of riches, honestly, with Jack Heflin and Chris Slayton. I don't know who they're going to keep. Like, I'd give the nod to Heflin because he's two years younger. But, yeah, it, it's just crazy to think about. And maybe maybe that's why they feel okay about the outside linebackers room being what it is, because you can drop Quay in the box and you can do kind of mismatch some things with those edge pieces to give support to guys like Rashawn and Preston without necessarily committing to a third edge rusher seeing the field for an abundance of snaps. Yeah. And I mean, you do have D line guys who can get the pressure up. Um, I just don't think you want to be relying on them for that. Right. Your outside linebacker group is weak. Um, but I completely agree. I mean, the transformation, there were two positions groups, right. That have been kind of like the Achilles heel of the Packers the last couple of seasons for so long, it was inside linebacker. And of course, everyone, all you could talk about after they lost to the Niners in the NFC championship game in 2019 was that defensive front can't stop the run. And now you have a defensive front that is so probably has the most depth, like you said, yeah. of all the defensive positions by like a long shot um and very much is built to stop the run um so if anyone wants to see i guess the front office heard your tweets read where they read the tweets stop the run it just i mean and if there's one position that i would say like yes this is where i want my fresh legs it's the big boys on the b-line so it does my heart some good to think about the fact that you can have um all these guys rotating in do we do we want to talk about special teams? Because I do just want to mention, okay, but let me just say that Pat O'Donnell is it. He is the answer (laughs) at Hunter. I am sold. I, you know, yes, he's been in the NFL eight years. It's to be expected, but there is such a comfort when he trots out onto the field, just feeling like he knows what the hell he's doing and he's going to be a reliable holder for Mason Crosby. Mm -hmm. And I just, Check, check punter off as at least one facet of special teams that I feel better about. Okay. I'm glad you feel that way. We don't have to talk about anything else because no, clearly. Actually, the only <laughs> I took away from the, from the preseason game against the chiefs, besides the fact that the entire unit looked like shit, um, is that <laughs> I your second, have... your second swear on the show. Well, okay. It's our <laughs> show. We can do what we want. Um, at least it's not the F word. Um, is that I actually feel really confident in Ramiz Ahmed if Mason Crosby can't go on. Yeah, I like that too. I felt pretty good. Yeah, 
I, I think I feel okay. I mean, not that I like hope that Mason Crosby isn't available, but I think if it comes down to it, like they'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, we saw that the Packers brought in some kickers. They were working out kickers, but I do think that he did a nice job. And I think that Jack Coco maybe locked up his spot. I know that Rich Passaccia had said, like, these guys are all competing against not only the guys on their 53, but everyone across the NFL. And we've seen, you know, I think it was um, Rick Lovato, the snapper a couple of years ago, who was like bagging groceries when he got the call that the Packers wanted him. So like, you know, we, you find long snappers where you find long snappers, which is in the most random places. So Jack Coco's job is, is not safe by any means, but I do think that he, he played well enough that they'll give him the, the starting looks going into into the regular season. Yeah, we know you all came here to listen to a long snapper talk. You know, if people don't like these fun facts, then that's just, that's on them. I think We're, the bagging groceries is a very fun fact. Exactly. So thank God people stayed till minute 38 of the show so that they could hear the long snapper facts. But Anyone else that you feel really good about, feel really bad about? Anyone that'll shock you? Do we think there's going to be a Josh Sitton-esque trade um, on cut down day? Or you think this roster is what it is? The starters are the starters and the depth will shake itself out. Yeah, I, I think it's the latter for me. I mean, I wasn't expecting Cole Van Lannan to be traded. So like, who knows? Um, but there aren't, I think, enough positions where the depth is so strong that I could see the Packers like trading or getting rid of someone that they might possibly value. Yeah, I agree. All right. Here we are. Preseason's over, man. All right. Cool. Well, we did it. Next time we have a game to talk about, like we said at the top of the show, it will be in week one when the Packers take on the Minnesota Vikings. And I just hope that that offensive line is ready to go because I am not ready to see Zadarius Smith get after Aaron Rodgers. I refuse to, to watch, but you can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast. You can find us on YouTube and Twitch and Instagram at packs. What she said, you can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. Thank you as always for listening to packs. What she said, go pack, go. Go pack, go. And Joe!